Like Caroline said, sorry, my name is Grace Street. We're in Grace Church, should be pretty easy to remember. I am a senior at Eden Prairie High School. I'm on the softball team. I, for one, am super excited about the warmer weather because it means playing outside. I don't know about any of you spring sports people. We're going to start off tonight by playing a little game. So can I have everybody stand up, please? Okay, okay, beautiful. Good job listening. You can sit down. (laughs) Nope. All right, now stand up. If you were once a little child, some of you, maybe all of you, yeah, come on, let's go. Okay, okay, sit down. Stand up. If when you were a child and you were sitting in the car and it was raining outside, you'd look out the window, see a couple raindrops, pick the one and race them, pick the one you wanted to win. Anybody? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. Okay, sit down again. Stand up if you were once a nail biter. Anybody bite their nails when they were younger? Maybe you still do. I don't know. Don't be embarrassed. It's okay. Okay, go for it. Sit down. Stand up if you used to put glue on the tops of your hands and then peel it off like it was dead skin. Anybody? Yeah? Yeah? The homeschoolers are probably sitting down right now. That's okay. All right, sit back down. (laughs) Okay, now stand up if you used to suck your fingers or your thumb. Maybe, again, you still do. Yeah, I'm, I'm a victim. Okay. Okay, sit down. Well, me too. I used to suck my fingers. For me, it was actually these two. Yeah, okay. But it was a chronic habit of mine. Chronic meaning it went on for way too long. It came to the point where my parents were like, Grace, we finally need to get this under control and stop you from sucking your fingers. I was about to enter school and I probably was about to be way too embarrassed to be sucking my fingers. So they're like, let's combat this. So they started all these tactics. The first one being taping these two fingers together and these two fingers together. So it was physically impossible for me to go like this and put my fingers in my mouth. But of course, I would just rip the tape right off, go back to sleeping with my fingers in my mouth. Next, they tried a glove, because of course, sucking your fingers with a glove on your hand, disgusting, right? Okay, so I would just pull the glove right off. Duh, I wanted the comfort of sucking my fingers. So next, they moved on to taping the glove to my hand. It probably started with some masking tape, but again, I would just rip it right off. If finally, I can picture my hand still with a glove on my hand with duct tape around the wrist to try to keep it on my hand, but again, it did not work. It started as a desire for comfort, and then I chose to suck my fingers to gratify that desire. It then turned into a habit. I bet that almost all of you in this room can identify a bad habit that you have in your life. Maybe for you, it's biting your fingers, but maybe it's comparing your life to the lives of your peers. Either way, your habit started as a desire, became a choice, and is now a habit. And your habits make up your character. They determine who you are and what you do. I'm so pumped for senior takeover because while planning, we found out that we're all learning concepts that kind of came together to form the idea of fully devoted. 
We have all found through our years at Grace and in high school that the Lord has been teaching us how to be fully devoted followers of Jesus. We have found purpose and freedom in fully devoting ourselves to the Lord. We want you to experience the same purpose and freedom. We want all that you are and all that you do to reflect your devotion to the Lord. We want your characters to reflect your devotion to the Lord. And what makes up your character? Well, your habits that come from your desires. We want you to form habits of devotion despite our fleshly desires by walking with the Spirit. Paul talks about these fleshly desires in Galatians 5, so if you have your Bible or your phone, turn with me there now. While you're looking for Galatians 5, let me give you some context. Paul is writing to the churches of Galatia. He is helping them navigate the new ways of Christian life. Jesus has now died and resurrected and ascended into heaven, so they're no longer bound to the law, but they're still a little bit weary on what it looks like to daily live a life of a Christian. So this is still applicable to us because we are still living after Jesus' death and resurrection and we still are no longer bound to the law. So let's start in Galatians 5, 16 to 26. It says, I say then, walk by the Spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to one another so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I am warning you about these things, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This brings me to my first point tonight, that we need to run from the flesh. Well, what does this mean? Let's first define what flesh actually is. In Romans 6 and 7, Paul is talking about new life in Christ. In chapter 7, verse 5, he compares the old ways and says, For when we are in the flesh, the sinful passions aroused through the law were working in us to bear fruit for death. To simplify, Paul defined flesh as sinful passions. He's talking about the sinful nature that is found in all of us and comes naturally to us, yet is wrong. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 5.12 says, Just as sin entered through the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death spread to all people because all sinned. If we go back to Romans 7.14-20, we see Paul recognizing the sin problem in himself that also lives in all of us. He says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold as a slave to sin. For I do not understand what I am doing, because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. Now if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that is good. So now I am no longer the one doing it, but it is the sin living in me. 
For I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is within me, but there is no ability to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Now if I do what I do not want, I am no longer the one that does it, but it is the sin that lives in me. Paul is telling us that all have sinned because we were born into slavery because of the fall of the man that happened through Adam. Nothing good lives in us because we are of the flesh. When we go back to Galatians 5, Paul tells the churches of Galatia what this actually looks like. He says, now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. And maybe this sounds foreign to you, but I can assure you that when we peel back the glamour and simplify the language of Paul, you will see that culture celebrates these things, and you may see these works in your own life or in the life of those around you. In Gen Z terms, sexual immorality and moral impurity and promiscuity is hookup culture. It's sending sexually explicit pictures. Hatred, strife, outbursts of anger could be cancel culture. You can see these things anywhere on the news. Selfish ambition is pride and bullying. There's drunkenness. It could be envy of your best friend's new shoes that your parents just don't have the money for. Strife is the gossip that's happening in the bathrooms at school. And idolatry could be finding your identity and the amount of likes you receive on Instagram. Friends, this is so important because it is all around us. Our flesh is leading us into slavery and addiction. Continuing on in Galatians 5, Paul writes, I am warning you about these things as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Not only are we trapped by our evil desires, but we cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Our flesh is leading us to death. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. Now, think about our culture. Have you ever heard the phrases, you do you, follow your heart, just do it? I do all the time, but think about those things. Culture is telling you to, to follow our flesh, the very flesh that is leading us straight to death. There's a good chance that talking about the flesh right now and our sin has made some people or all people in this room feel a little bit of guilt or shame. I want us to think about these feelings that you may be feeling right now. John Mark Comer actually differentiates shame and guilt by saying that guilt says what I did was bad, while shame says I am bad. Guilt says what I did was bad and I need to make it right, while shame says I am unlovable and I'm irredeemable. Guilt can be healthy and can be the correct response to our sin, but shame is not. Shame deems our identity as unlovable or irredeemable, and living in that identity leads us to living badly. Instead, pay attention to the feeling of guilt that you may be feeling right now. If a certain habit, act, or choice, or relationship has been placed on your heart or itching in the back of your mind while I talk about the flesh, pay attention. Don't wallow in it because that is when guilt becomes unhealthy. Instead, open your mind to what God may be trying to tell you through your feeling of guilt. Now, what do we do and where do we go with the knowledge that we are headed straight towards death? Look at the cross. Your sin has been defeated. 
Ephesians 2, 3 and 4 say, We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive in Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. Receive that gift of salvation. Romans 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God rose him from the dead, you will be saved. And maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe you are without salvation, but desperately in need of saving. Sit with God in that. But maybe you've already received the gift of salvation, yet you are discouraged because you still find yourself habitually giving in to the desires of the flesh. Do you remember my chronic habit of sucking my fingers? Well, I never really told you the final solution. I didn't just wake up one day and decide that I no longer wanted to suck my fingers. Instead, my parents gifted me a stuffed animal that became my new comfort item. I replaced the habit of sucking my fingers that gave me comfort with a new habit of holding the stuffed animal that gave me comfort. There are numerous psychology studies that state simply stopping or ending a bad habit does not work. Instead, they suggest replacing bad habits with good ones. They also have found that habits start as desires, become choices, and then become habits, just as I said. So where does that put us? Well, our fleshly desires are becoming sinful, habitual practices. And where do we go with that? Well, let's go back to Galatians 5. Starting in verse 16, it says, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. This brings me to my second point. Walk with the Spirit. We want you to form habits of devotion despite our fleshly desires by walking in the Spirit. Well, who is the Spirit? The Holy Spirit is one of the three persons in the Holy Trinity. The Holy Spirit is the seal of our salvation and the down payment of our inheritance into the kingdom of God. It says that in Ephesians 1. The Holy Spirit is counselor and teacher, John 14. The Holy Spirit gives conviction, John 16. The Spirit is God's empowering presence in us. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 say, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Our flesh is leading us to death, but the Holy Spirit is leading us to love, joy, and peace. We receive the Holy Spirit when we are saved, and the Holy Spirit guides us in our way of life since we are no longer bound to the law. Romans 8, 3 through 4 says, What the law could not do, since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering, in order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Our flesh is faulty. And God created the law to create a standard of righteousness that we were called to obey. 
but in our own flesh, we were unable to live up to that standard. So God sent his son to die for us on the cross and pay the penalty for our faultiness. He redeemed us from the law. We now have the gift of the Holy Spirit to be our helper and our comforter. This is so important. We need to walk with the Holy Spirit in order to fight the desires of our flesh. Paul says in Galatians that the flesh desires what is opposed to the Spirit or opposite. They go against each other and they cannot coexist. Revelation 3, 15 and 16 say, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I am going to vomit you out of my mouth. We cannot be lukewarm. We are either choosing life with the Spirit or death. Just like my chronic habit of sucking my fingers, I couldn't both suck my fingers and not suck my fingers. And it was impossible for me to simply stop gratifying the desire that I had for comfort by sucking my fingers. I had to find a habit to replace it. I used a stuffed animal to gratify that desire for comfort that sucking my fingers had previously fulfilled. In the same manner, we are not strong enough to simply stop gratifying the desires of our flesh. Instead, we must replace that with walking in the Spirit, living by the Spirit, and being led by the Spirit. How do we do that? Well, walking with the Spirit doesn't always look like having explicit confirmation from the Holy Spirit on what juice you choose in the morning or whether you're choosing to go to Chick-fil-A or Cane's for dinner. Instead, it looks like practicing the ways of Jesus that effectively counterhabit the ways of our flesh. Habits that are formed based on the model that Jesus has set for us that resist the habits of the flesh through the Holy Spirit's power. Maybe we're unable to change our desires, but we can change the habits that we create that are leading our hearts away from our fleshly desires and towards the Spirit. That is the key to spiritual formation. Do not get lost in the language of walk in the Spirit. If you are sitting there asking, well, how do I walk? Think about that question. It's silly. How do I walk? Nobody asks that. I like to think about it as walking with a person. Galatians 5.25 says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. I want to keep in step with the Spirit. Think about when you learn to walk. I know that when I was learning to walk, my mom literally took me to the doctor because she thought something was wrong with my feet, but instead, the doctor just told her, no, Grace is just clumsy and she falls a lot. There's nothing wrong with her feet. And now, at 18 years old, I never have to think, how do I walk? With time, it became natural. So maybe you're sitting there feeling like you do not know how to walk or there is something wrong with your feet. But my friend, you are just clumsy. You're human and you fall sometimes. But just as you now never have to think about how to walk physically, with time and submission to the Lord and spiritual maturity, walking with the Spirit will become natural. Our theme for the month is fully devoted. You cannot be halfway devoted to walking in the Spirit. If you do not surrender all that you are and all that you do to the power of the Holy Spirit, you will not be able to keep in step with the Holy Spirit.
the flesh and the Holy Spirit are opposed to one another. It is not possible to be devoted to both at the same time. Begin to form habits of devotion so that you can grow as a fully devoted follower. It is a walk. So just like a two-year-old, you might fall. But praise God, because there is grace and mercy even when we fall. And we do not need to rely on our own strength when we are living by the Spirit because we have this Holy Spirit's power. As you go into small groups tonight and continue on with your night, spend time identifying your sin habits and confessing them to one another. Repent of your sin habits and then turn away from them and run from them. It would be foolish of you to repent of your sin and then run right back to it. Instead, run towards God's grace, mercy, and forgiveness. Spend time in small groups talking about the practices of Jesus that you can apply to counterhabit the sin patterns that you see in your life and habits that can lead you to God's grace. Let me pray.